What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ron again. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. A lot to talk about this week. There's been a lot of big games going on, a lot of big trades happening uh, this past week. But before we get into it, I just want to thank you all so much for making this your first listen for NBA coverage. And remember, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. You're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. You do that, we'll keep producing that content. Today, we're going to be looking at the Philadelphia 76ers in the midst of a five-game win streak. We'll be talking about the potential uh, finals preview as the Nuggets took on the Celtics, a little bit about Pascal Siakam's trade to the Pacers, and much more. But before we get into that, Chris, how you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, we weren't able to record this weekend, sadly, but uh, glad to get back on it. And another trade to talk about. It's like every time, every week, we're getting a trade, and I don't think it'll be the last. So pretty excited to maybe preview another one here. But I'm down. Let's jump into it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Siakam trade and a bit more of the trade buzz uh, towards the end of the pod. But let's open up 76ers. They beat the Denver Nuggets on Tuesday. They have won five straight games. They are currently 28 and 13, sitting third in the Eastern Conference. Half a game back on the books, three and a half back on the Celtics. I guess just straight up got to ask the question, the way that Joel Embiid is playing right now, the way that this team is functioning right now, if that sustains in the playoffs, can they can they go to the conference finals or beyond? I mean, it just comes down to Embiid, right? Like, yeah. I, I I do think we do got to give credit to, um, I mean, Tobias Harris quietly having a bounce back year. His efficiency has been up. Uh, his aggression has been up. And Tyrese Maxey has continued to, it, it's almost like he has big growth. And then now it's just like, oh, yeah, he's a going to average over 25 a game, over six assists per game. That's normal, right? Oh, and he's going to be shooting at one of the highest efficiencies in the league. So it's just like they've they've achieved like a normalcy of success right now with guys outside of Embiid that I I really think it's like that's standard right now. That's like that should be like the standard of thinking is that they are at a level of contention. But it's always like when's the last time we talked about this? Two pods ago, three pods ago. It's just down to Embiid staying healthy because right now only four other players have been playing the way he has uh, this season. 35 and 10 the season. He joins Elgin Baylor, Will, Rick Barry. Then you throw in all the other stuff he does in terms of getting the line, shooting the three, and just the way he's just – he's continued his success in such a crazy way after Harden's left. So long way to say – I mean, yeah, of course. Of course. Who Who is doubting that? What What is even an argument now besides health? Is there any? And what is it? No. There isn't that. Like the the what they're getting out of the role guys is so big as well. Like what Batum was bringing. Obviously, Covington's been injured of late, but what he brings, uh, Kelly Oubre, like what Melton brings. Maris is having a really big impact, shooting well, shooting the three ball well, and then it's just it's just all in B. Like that game against Denver, he was awesome. Forty one seven and ten. He's had 20, 20 straight thirty point games. Like when he came in back in against uh, the Nuggets and just took over. Hit I think. I think he hit seven or seven or eight points straight to just close out that game, and that was that was huge for them. What he's doing now, it just all comes down to health because, as we keep saying, it's he has not been healthy since he's taken that leap from being good to being great in the regular season. He hasn't been healthy in the playoffs. First, he was he broke his face. Then last year, he had the knee issue. Like that's all all we all we need is him to actually be healthy in the playoffs to really see is he a legit playoff player because. That's that's the only mark that's against him. We haven't seen him. We've only seen him kind of perform to a lesser standard in the playoffs. We haven't seen him raise that game. And I don't think you can ask him to raise his game. Just do what he's doing now in the playoffs because what he's doing now is he's putting up absolutely insane numbers. One guy I do want to mention is Harris. I know you're, you're giving him his flowers there. He had 24 points in that game against Denver. He stepped up with a couple of crucial buckets when Embiid was on the bench and the Nuggets were kind of threatening to kind of take the game away from uh, away from Philly. And I was hearing the commentators that were talking on the game they kind of keep going on about how underrated Tobias Harris is. And I I just feel like hopefully now he's in a mode where he's like, oh shit, I'm playing for a contract. Uh, I'm going to get, at this moment, I'm getting nothing close to the last contract I just signed. I need to step up my game. 
Because I feel like for every one of those games that he had, like against the Nuggets, he has like five of them where you really think, yeah, this guy can't be the third star on a, on a championship team today. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's. I think one big thing is just bumping up his usage a bit here now that there's no Harden. He's getting more touches, especially when he's coming off the bench. He's, he has so many more opportunities to, you know, get back to who he was before. I mean, when he really showed himself on the Clippers and then showed himself the first year in the 76ers, he hasn't really had that same opportunity, but mostly to his, his fault. I mean, he he's been passive over the past few years. And just turning that around for a contract, that, that's the interesting part. And we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Like guys like him who are playing for a contract, what is he worth on this market? And I think the number might surprise people because, you know, he's still a very good player. And the cap has gone up. And that, that number might surprise some people. But at the end of the day, the fact that he's able to contribute in this way, especially in this season where Embiid is still top two in the league, top three in the league. Like, they have a chance. Any team that has a guy that can beat has a chance. And if Harris is not pulling his weight, like, I don't think they're going to get there. I think that would be a big topic of discussion at this point in the season if if that was a major hole, and it's not there. Now, I think one thing that's kind of hard, though, is, like, when we talk about, all right, who's, who's really going to make it through playoffs? Because then we – I mean, that's a buzzword, conference finals that means you got to think about what teams are going to get through. And I, I'm really curious to see like how this defense sustains itself. And right now they're top five in defense, defense rating of 111.1. They just surpassed the Orlando magic. And you know, how are they going to survive with, they, they do have some liabilities on this team and we'll see how Tyrese Maxey holds up in a playoff environment. We'll see how many minutes Kelly Oubre actually gets. We'll see if PJ Tucker can still play in the playoffs and Marcus Morris. I, I have, DJ Tucker, what are you talking about? He plays in he plays in I LA mean, now. Yeah, I. <laughs> that's that, that's gonna take a second to to get. Used Although to he might get bought out and come back to Philly, who knows? I mean, probably. But uh, who's actually going to be playing against the system that Celtics have? Like, have, have they have they figured out a way to get there? Because that's the real question when it comes down to is if they want to make it to the finals, can they come up with answers for that? But that's too far in advance, and I'm still just happy to see that you know. Embiid's playing enough. He's not going to play enough to win an MVP, though. That, that's going to be pretty clear. Yeah, saying Embiid is probably down to, like, play, you know, probably can only miss, like, another six or seven games because like, he obviously had that another spell out since we uh, since we last talked about it. So, realistically, probably not going to be in the conversation with the MVP, but still going to have probably a better season than he did last year, which is pretty much everything that the, uh, the 76ers and he should want, especially after already winning the MVP. Now it's about doing the same things, but being ready for the championship. But I just want to play a little game with you real quick. Not a quiz, don't worry. Just a, just a little game. It's not a quiz. Just It just caught my it just caught my attention when I heard about Tobias Harris being called underrated. And I just want to play a little game with you. I'm going to, going to give you a list of guys, and I want you to tell me, are they underrated or are they inconsistent? Okay? Just know so, that you've now given me anxiety. Like I have like preparation anxiety every time I hear you say, I want to play a game. I'm just like, okay. I'm getting my okay. heart rate down. I'm ready. This is very low stakes, right? Yeah. No, 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 no pressure at all. Okay. Underrated or inconsistent? Tobias Harris. Uh, I mean, this year, underrated. Last year, inconsistent. Overall, inconsistent. That's inconsistent. what I, uh, that's I, I mean, that's if over the course of five years, yeah. Inconsistent. And here's the obvious one. Derek White. Underrated. Absolutely. Completely. Obviously, completely underrated. Grayson Allen. Underrated, yeah, underrated. Underrated. I, I, I leaned a bit more towards inconsistent because I see he has those games where he goes off from three. That he's had a couple of games this year where he's hit nine, nine triples, and then a lot of other games where he just really doesn't show up. So I think Grace Nana for me, I, I would say more inconsistent. I, I, I expect a little bit more from him. I think if he offered that little bit more, maybe he would still be in Milwaukee, but he definitely yeah. has the potential. But that's what, that's why I'm I'm saying underrated because I don't see him as a guy who does more. He is a streaky shooter, and I think he's probably one of the better streaky shooters in the league. Like for what he's asked to do, like as a gunner, like that's I I'd, I'd say I'd say underrated. I mean, is is that maybe we're just talking averages across the season? But I'll, I'll give him a little more credit. Okay, all right. Underrated or inconsistent, Chris Middleton. Ah, inconsistent. Mm-hmm. 
I think right now is the answer is inconsistent, but I think when we look back on his career, we will call him underrated. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. That's why it's really hard to say that right, right now because it's I, I still want to have faith that it's going to take him a little bit more time to get into it. But you know, when when Giannis is gone, he dropped ten points and the Bucks lose, and it, it that's just something that we that. We, Part of the Chris Middleton experience before, so unfortunately, right now, inconsistent would probably be it. Yeah, RJ Barrett. <laughs> you answer this woman. I, I mean, I'm gonna say clear. inconsistent. The, the data yeah, is inconsistent. It's clear. it's clear, but let, let's see where he goes with the Raptors, man. I mean, once again, last night, I think he had like 14 in the first half, ultimately finished with 20 points. Like, that's just so that's just so yeah. RJ Barrett. Like, he's just that's just him. He's inconsistent, especially shooting the three ball. With his scoring, even not even from game to game, from half to half, the, the inconsistency with him is just it's it's really really annoying. But uh, thankfully, I don't have to get too upset about it anymore. Now that he's in Toronto, and hopefully, it goes better for him. Final one, Jalen Green, young, TBD, inconsistent, inconsistent. I think that should be expected for for him, and that that's a mantra that he'll he'll have to work on. I mean, that was I think he's such a similar player to Zach Levine where that will be something that he has to get to is that consistency because he's such a good scorer. He's such a talented player, but it's, it's still inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. See, look at that. That was easy. Wasn't it? That wasn't, that wasn't too, there wasn't too much anxiety. There's no, no, no trouble for you there. Don't you worry. I wasn't going to, wasn't going to do you like that. I'll wait, I'll wait till the end Ooh. of the podcast to do you like that. Who Don't worry. scored exactly 23.5 points per game back in 1997. Cool. <laughs> you don't know this one. Yeah, man, it's crazy. How do you not know that? Come on. All right, let's uh, let's switch it over then. Let's talk a bit about the potential finals preview. I guess I'll let you make the call. Did we see yeah. the finals preview on Friday night? The uh, Denver Celtics, yeah? Absolutely. So in the same breath, let's talk about the 76ers as a potential contender. We know that the two real bona fide ones right now, Celtics and Nuggets, played each other in such a good chess match. And... The ending was kind of interesting. I, I don't, I don't know how much I can take away from this game with the way the Celtics at times kind of blundered the final five six minutes of that game. You just saw some really excellent matchups of you know the Nuggets going small, trying to mitigate the effects of uh, the five out space and the Celtics like to do, which really was painful for Jokic. I mean, Jokic has gotten so much better over the years playing in space, uh, playing the drop coverage and. I mean, facing Tatum and Horford, like the way that they have such good chemistry, that's tough. And they put Rokic in some really tough positions down the stretch, but Tatum just couldn't capitalize. And I I, I hate jumping on the bandwagon of, of, of people kind of ragging on Tatum for not being a clutch closer because it's, it's tough in this league to do so. And I highly suggest if, if you compare him to, hey, why doesn't he do it the way Kobe did, go look up Kobe's clutch stats. Go look up his percentage on, on uh, game winners and stuff like that. It, it's not that pretty. You remember all the highlights, though. No, nobody, nobody's is that pretty. It's just uh, you just kind of get to that level where you can remember the better times more than yeah. you remember the bad times. That's that's what it is. No, no one has a good. No one really has a good uh, clutch stats for the most part. Yeah, but obviously for this game, watching Tatum fumble a layup and then miss point blank in the lane, albeit. Against triple coverage, but he's there, you know. Um, that that was kind of a tough one to swallow because I think the Celtics actually got into their groove in terms of getting good shots down the stretch, but just couldn't capitalize. Yeah, I mean they 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 had two made baskets, four total points in the final five minutes. Like that's that's bad. That, 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 yeah. that, that's that's not good. You got to at least be able to get yourselves to the free throw line if if, the, if shots aren't dropping. That's that's something they're gonna have to work on. The two big talking points, I think, for me that I kind of looked at it again. I'm thinking, I'm back on this. I've, I've flip flopped on this over the last year and a half. But the coaching of Joe Mazzula, I'm still not fully convinced that he is the right guy to really lead this Boston team. I know there's situations where he's looked great, the, the team looks great, and then you see them in certain situations and it just falls short. And I'm just kind of like, is this the coaching? Does he is he that guy? I feel like I've seen them enough in in closing moments and in the closing possessions have bad possessions, get bad shots off, the wrong people taking these shots. 
can't all be down to him, but I feel like the, there's just that naggingness at the back of my brain that just says Joe Mazzula is is not the guy. And the other thing was Murray and Jokic came in and just go, yeah, no matter what, whenever we want to be, we're still the best duo in the NBA. 69 Absolutely. points, 20 rebounds, 14 assists, five triples. Murray goes 15 to 21. Jokic goes 14 to 22. Just insane. I have to push back on the last part, though. And I think the perfect the perfect example of that is the uh, the ATO that Missoula ran for the Celtics, where they got um, Jalen Brown uh, an empty side to post up on KCP and get towards the middle, force Jokic to either help off of Chris Stapps or not and get a good shot. And as soon as the help game, he got over to Chris Stapps. That was the right play. And that, that this was the right, and this is where the play should have, and Chris Stapps missed the cut. He missed the cut. He missed that pass, and they had to reset. And that play, that play would have been a layup. And then they had another chance off the pick and roll there for Chris Stapps to get, get it down the lane, and they missed that pass as well. And what, you got three seconds left, and you took another timeout? Like, they they missed on two big passes there. And I know, and honestly, big big ups to Jokic again for, for all the years that we spent um, thinking about how his defense would ever get. The reason why they, they missed that is because Jokic is actually playing up on on ball. And the fact that he's actually putting on pressure. But this, I mean, it's the Celtics have to be better about that. And this is a symptom of what we talked about in the offseason is having a pure playmaker. You know, those tough passes. Like, those are tough passes to make, but but the angle was there, the space was there, and that play doesn't work unless you make the tough pass, unless you turn the corner and hit the bounce pass, unless you are jump passing. Like, the this kind of stuff that we see, you don't need a Luka, but you, you see the elite playmakers in this league make, and they don't have that at times. Like, Tatum's going to have some awesome plays scoring for himself. You're going to see the same thing from Jalen Brown. You're going to see so much of his awesome stuff five out spacing that they have shooting the three but when it comes down to plays like that i don't think that's on missoula man I, I i think that that was execution and that's kind of the 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 finer things and that wouldn't have even been a problem if tatum just you know ma- makes a layup he just yeah, makes a yeah. layup. yeah that's fair i think that the first one you're mentioning with uh with porzingis to brown i think yeah that was definitely one where I, I could see the pass. And if I could see the pass, I hope that, that Porzingis could have seen it and, and probably could have uh, that probably could have made it. So yeah, that 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 probably uh that probably is fair. And I think especially the 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 times during the game that the Celtics just went ice cold. Like there was one possession in the first half where they had five shots on one play and they didn't hit one basket. <laughs> like that's not gonna happen very sometimes, often yeah, for the Boston Celtics. It doesn't work out, yeah. And they got good. They, I, I want to say too, like they got so many. You said we had, they had a lot of good looks at the end of the fourth. It's just, you know, sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hoop. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't happen. And I, I just can't, I can't help but think it has more to do with the, the playmakers on the floor that when things, when things start to go south, they don't have a guy that can really fully, just like get everyone organized and make the right pass, make a very crisp pass and. Get the ball moving. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that 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 could that could be a, that could be a fair point. It's definitely one that they don't have that guy that you know is always going to make the right pass, like a like a Jokic, like a like a LeBron uh, type type of player. And that's it's one thing where you're like you don't, probably aren't going to notice it too much, but I think in the moments that we saw in that game where the th- it, things slowed down and it was about those tiny little margins the the Nuggets had it and the Celtics didn't really. Yeah. But uh, again, it was a, it was a great matchup and one that like, similar, like when we watched the uh, Philly take on the Nuggets, maybe the Celtics and the Nuggets is a bit more realistic, but if we got to see that as a finals matchup, I think we'd all be uh, very, very pleased and, and very, and very excited to see that as a finals matchup. I mean, all that to say, you know, I mean, Nuggets pushed, I mean, Malone said it, he, they pushed all their chips onto the table. Like, they played pretty much seven guys all game long. Mm-hmm. Christian Braun barely saw the floor. And they they played it like it was a championship game. And, you know, that that matters. You know, they this this wasn't a – that's why I think this was a championship preview is because they really did – they did um, use what they would have in a real-life scenario. And it's it's tough to say, man. I 
I think that would be a very that would be a very good finals. That would be probably one of the one of the ones of the decade if we got a Nuggets versus Celtics. I feel like that would go to six seven games. Yeah, because I think that'd be one of the 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 few times over the last years where we legit got probably the two best team, the best team from each conference yeah. playing each other in the NBA Finals. We haven't really seen that over probably since like the Warriors and the Cavs. Even even the Cavs were kind of questionable at that stage. They just had they just had the ultimate LeBron James mode. But uh, yeah, that would definitely be it. Would definitely be good a good a good Finals, and I think one of the better ones. And it, and it'd be a, definitely a competitive competitive matchup. Another big game that went down last night, Thunder Timberwolves. I mean, not the game we were all hoping for. I think a lot of teams last night kind of took it handy, knowing that everyone was just watching the NFL instead. Uh, we think we, it felt like that watching some of the games last night when I was in work for sure. But uh, a good win for the Thunder. They continue their march. They continue to bounce back after a couple of tough losses losing to the Lakers losing to the Clippers this is a, this is an important game for them to get back on the uh, the winning track they moved to within a game of the Teals at the top of the west Shea again 33 points a slightly inefficient night for him only went 10 to 22 which is pretty it's almost bad for how consistent he usually is but got to the free throw line went 12 to 13 at the free throw line still put up his points still got his team to win Good performance to them, but I was disappointed in Anthony Edwards. They only took 10 shots during the game. 19 points. Tanked those free throws at the end. After a couple of big performances of late, that big 30-point game against the Clippers, that obviously the Pistons the other night, and all the time the Pistons, that dunk and everything has had, had everyone talking, but three Thunder players took more shots than Anthony Edwards during that game, and that's that's not okay. Yeah, it's... It's really funny that that's the overall look at it because if you just watch the fourth quarter and you especially you watch that last like seven, eight minute stretch where, you know, after a 29 to 17 third quarter where the Timberwolves are poised to just run away with this one, they ultimately lose for the fourth quarter, 28 to 14. And Anthony Edwards is pretty much getting the ball almost every possession. They're asking him down the show, okay, take us home. And it felt like at times it was too much. This is, this is too much Anthony Edwards. This is too much him just trying to get in the paint, get to the free throw line, or create something. And what did we get out of it? We got, at the end of the game, 21 turnovers for the team. We had 28 points. And Ant just, sometimes there's diminishing returns. Like, you really love to see him attack the paint. You love to see him kick it out. But maybe there was a little bit more balance to be had throughout the game. Fortunately, this isn't like a pattern that you see every single loss that they've had you know you, you didn't really see this against the celtics or the mavs or the pals but i mean this is kind of a formula where as long as you can make sure that you double cat double him right away make him uncomfortable with the ball and if you can keep three four feet in the paint with ant force him to make the pass force him to try to get to the, to the cup make him uncomfortable I, I think there's there's a little bit of of a strategy there that they uncovered where those guys are not going to be super comfortable with that amount of pressure that the Thunder put on them. And man, dude, the th- I mean, the Thunder play like they are, they play a playoff level defense. Like this, this is a team that they keep showing it. And to their credit, the Teals have showed it all game. They showed it against Shea. That's why Shea shot so poorly. They have the tools. They have all those guys to, to really go to war. But I mean, the Thunder, I, I thought this was down the stretch a great game to show, you know, the best of both. The Tim rolls mm-hmm. in the fourth, they they can be a little bit. It can be kind of scary if you're if you're relying on Ant down the stretch to to take you home if that's how he's going to handle the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's for sure. I think I I did like the couple of times that he that he attacked uh, home green and had nice finishes there, showing that like he's still able to get to that even with the the daunting presence of of meeting Chet in the in the paint, which was which was good to see. One guy I want to give a shout out to that was Nas Reed. I think he had another big game off the bench. I think he's slowly becoming like a top three, top four role player in this league. The the performances that he puts in for for this Timberwolves team, how easily he fits in, whatever he's asked to do on any given night, he just plays at 110% and really provides something that this team doesn't have without him. You take Nas or Bobby Portis? Nas. Mm. 
Nas. Just I do like Bobby Portis though. Nas or Grant Williams. Nas definitely. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. I mean, Nas Reed has never hit eight three pointers in the playoffs, but still. Yeah, fair. Big, big, big ass to Nas. All right, I like that. Nas or Onyeka Okongwu. Nas, come on, Nas. Nas is doing more than Onyeka. Yeah, it's me though. Okay, big ass Nas, and even though he had a couple turnovers in the fourth, who didn't have turnovers in the fourth? Yeah, <laughs> every two Bulls players have turnovers. Yeah. But the Thunder, I loved what the Thunder did down the stretch. Um, and one thing that we saw is, you know, if you have what, – what you saw with Ant is they could pull off the shooters and they just have to, you know, focus on the biggest threat, which is Ant getting to the rim. If Ant gets to the rim, it's over. If you're not pressuring him with two, three guys at the rim or – and the fact that they're doing that with, with Gobert, they have a Gobert, they have another big on the floor, they have Jamie McDaniel, that is how good Anthony Edwards is getting to the cup. Make no mistake. But the Thunder closes out with, you know, what are you going to do with Shea? You're going to have to send help, but you can't because they just put out Isaiah Joe, Lou Dort, J-Dub, Chet. Who, who are you going to pull away from? Because all those guys are ripping the nets from three. And the spacing that they gave Shea there, and I, I didn't love the comments from Edwards after the game where he's talking about free throws because, I mean, you have to foul Shea. You have to foul Shea. Like, he's getting the call because he just beat you. He just went around you. Or he just made you jump. Like these, he's forcing guys to to foul him because he's that good, and and there's there's this presence that some players bring when they get that nice little beginning of the fourth quarter rest, and they come in where you're like, yeah, this game's over. Like when Shea when Shea came in, like the the way he just stepped into his middies, like his, those first two shots he came in the fourth, you're like, yeah, Shea's Shea's winning this game, and he took him home. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And that's that's uh, that's 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 what the best players do. Simple, simple as that. We're just past the midway point of the season. Effectively, four teams in the conversation for the number one seed in, in, in the Western Conference, I think. Who would be your pick at this stage to finish as the number one seed? Okay, see. Okay, see. I, I think I think they have they have such a and this is an unfair thing for the Timberwolves. Um I, I think that there's just some other factors for the Timberwolves is can they can they continue this? And then I think they can, but what I know from the Thunder is that they are completely locked in and that they have one leader on this team, one priority, and everyone knows their roles. And I think that the Timberwolves have definitely done a good job to do that. But I think there's, there's just there's just a little bit of history with the Timberwolves that makes me wonder how they'll close the season. And I think the Thunder are going to stay hungry every single game. So I mean, if, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I would say – I'm sticking with Shea. I'm sticking with Chet. I'm sticking with this squad. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's definitely definitely a fair pick. Uh, let's move over. Let's talk. Let's talk the trade. The big trade that went down this week. Pascal Siakam to the Indiana Pacers, one that we were certainly discussing. Already here first. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I think we predicted it. I'm pretty like sure we made that call. I'm sure we weren't the only ones, but. Uh, I think it's some, something we all felt was a, a good move for both sides. We just weren't sure what they were going to have to give up assets-wise, what way they were going to structure the deal. That was kind of the only issues kind of around it going down, but it happened. Three first-round picks. One is conditional. I don't know if that conditional means if Pascal resigns. I'm not 100% sure what the, the, the condition is on that. Bruce Brown and, uh, and Nawara as well. Tough to lose Bruce Brown, but as I said, I did an instant reaction to this, and what I said was, does this make them a, a top two, top three team? Does this get them close to the Celtics or the Bucks or the Sixers? Absolutely not. Does this give them a much better chance of finishing top six? Yes. Does this give them a much better chance of being competitive in a first-round series? Definitely. That That's lukewarm, man. That's what you're going to give me. I mean, like that's, for that's for this season, for. that's it. That's all that brings them. Yeah, that's bathwater. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. I I really I think that I think the Pacers could be could argue themselves the the third best team in the East. They showed it against the Bucks. They they've shown it. They've they've shown it against all the best teams in the East. They've shown what they can do. What they haven't shown is what they can do defensively, and I think that's starting to come along. 
I don't I don't see why like top six is so lukewarm. I, I think that they could be a top three team okay. in the East. Yeah, from here, yeah, okay. Have they played? I'm kind of trying to think now. Have they beaten Philly this year, Pacers? I gotta, I gotta fact check it. Yeah, and I, 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 I can't picture a game between the 76ers and the, uh, and the Pacers. I'm not sure if they've gone head to head yet. It's just tough because obviously the 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 Cavs are on a serious run without two of their most important players. I, I have to say the the thing that separates the Pacers from everybody else is that their their offense is so backbreaking for most teams. The pace at which they play, and we see it night in night out, and a lot of the times when you make a trade, there's kind of an investment period, and you have to kind of figure out, all right, how do we fit this guy in? How do we make him work in our offense? How does he get his touches? Do you have zero problem with that with Pascal? Pascal, and we already just saw it in this first game, he is going to fit in perfectly. In terms of the spacing, like he's maybe he's not an elite shooter. He's on a tear right now, shooting over forty percent in his last what 10, 15 games. But where he does shoot well is in the corners. So they need him to spot up. He spots him in the corners. That, that They need that. And he fits that. Oh, you need someone to start scoring in the in-between game, which they don't really have. Siakam fills that in. Or you need someone who's going to be a post presence, which they don't have. They can play a little inside out there. Pascal fits that in. You need a, a wing, a big wing that can play make. They can do inverted pick and rolls. If you haven't really had any of that, do that with Miles Turner. Invert that with Albert. Oh, you got that. They play that way. But they don't play it super well because – they don't have the guys who can really do that. Now you have a guy who's doing that. Like, who, who's who's doing as well as Pascal? Like he's, he's top 10 as a big wing, as a all-around player who's playmaking. You make the right pass. And especially on, on defense. I mean, just to talk about defense real quick, like, how much does he unlock for them? That's mm-hmm. that's the question. I think you, you start to see it where the versatility you can bring to switch to just be a monster as a kind of a free safety Playing off of non-shooters, which you saw a little bit of, and then you pair that next to Miles Turner, then you allow Neesmith play him against players that are actually his size instead of playing him on Giannis. Like they, like if the pieces fall into place and they can, and they can have a little bit more of a semblance of a good defending starting five, I think they're wit like top six is super underselling what they could be. I mean, like seriously, like the the Bucks have shown that they have their holes. Uh, on the defensive end. The Pacers have plenty. They're sinking ship at times. But they're going to blow you out of the water with their offense. So, dude, they just need to get average on defense. And I think they're – are they better than the Bucks? No. Are they better than the Celtics? No. I don't know why I keep counting out the, the 76ers because it just feels like eventually the sky is going to fall. Smart. It's a smart thing. It's a safe bet. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to. But but the Pacers, I mean, they're, they – they're too new on the scene for me to, to count on them, but I feel like they're only going to keep getting better with Siakam, and there's so much untapped potential with what he can bring to them defensively, man. I I, I don't want to underestimate them early. I don't want to overestimate them early, but top six just feels like that that's that's safe. You know, I'm going in. I'm going in safe. All I'm worried about is my hot take coming true, which is the most important <laughs> thing about the uh... – about the Pacers' uh, finish finish to this season, but yeah, it's good good to see you coming in hot. I mean, like the big thing about Siakam in his debut, obviously at twenty one six and three, he was nine of fourteen from the field. He was a plus seventeen in his debut, and if their bench had had a normal game, they would have won that game against the Blazers too. Their bench was absolutely horrendous, and usually they have one of the one of the better benches in, in the NBA. So if that was a normal thing, they would have had. Would have had to win a great performance from Siakam would have been the dream debut, especially with the return of uh, return of Halliburton as well. Do you think there's more moves to be made by the Pacers this uh, before the trade deadline? Absolutely, absolutely. Like I, why not? If you can get in long contract guys, if you can get in someone else who can really bolster the defense, um, and fit in the same way that Siakam did, then you do it. Like the the momentum's there. Um, and I got to bring up. I'll just say own. important note that the picks yeah. that they have are only this year and next year, I believe. So I think there's still plenty, plenty of wiggle room with them for uh, in terms of future picks. They would have to go deep. I think they have to go 29, 28 or 29. But second round picks, they still own pretty much all their second round picks. And they still never got off of Jairus Walker. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Herb Jones is a guy that they would think about? Because now, now reports are coming out that the Pelicans are trying to consolidate and they do not want to hit the luxury tax next year. And it is interesting that they're already putting him on the block right now. Um, but would that potentially be something they could look at? Imagine Herb Jones, how aggressively they can go for him. Jairus Walker, two seconds. I don't know if that gets it done, but they should be a team that definitely is is approaching that kind of trade very aggressively because Herb Jones, that then that brings this team to a whole nother level. Maybe yeah, if that's they can, if that's, they can get another defender. In. Yeah, another another defensive piece that can hit the three with some solid solid uh, regularity. That that's a that's a game changer for them. Uh, I think that's obviously the gap that they're they're, they're needing to fill. They need to they need to up the defense. It, it can't just be we've seen before just elite. No matter how elite your offense is, if you're Defense isn't at least made with the potential to become good in the right situations. You don't really have a hope of winning in the NBA. So I think that is a type of guy that I think they should definitely be aggressive in pursuing. They don't need to go all out and get a guy like Herb Jones, but I think the Pelicans will be will be reasonable because they do have like every wing ever. So I mean they I think they they wouldn't be valuing him too high. So I think it's definitely a guy that they should keep to keep an eye on. It's that would be a shame. I really hope the Pels don't do this. To, to think of this, about this from the Pels' perspective, because ultimately this is about all right. Do we need to extend uh, Trey Murphy? How much is he going to cost? And what is our tax situation going to look like? Like, what's our books going to look like? And if if Herb Jones, Herb Jones, that like the like arguably. Like he's probably the best wing defender in the NBA, probably top three at least. And then you talk about overall defender, like top five, top seven. Like he's he's a guy that you put on your team and is going to like by himself, like really make big things happen for you on the defensive end. If he becomes luxury tax uh, fodder, that that is that is just a monumental error by the Pels. I, I don't like that. That would be such a loss of talent for for nothing. I mean, they they have to figure something out to make it to make. Yeah, I feel like maybe he's a bit too talented for for that to happen. Barring a pretty cataclysmic uh, bad decision by by the Pelicans, I feel like maybe we are we're being a bit premature making making these sort of comments. I feel like they're smart enough to know that that they can't really they can't just let him go because they feel like they they. Uh, they can't afford to keep him. They got to. They got to be a bit smarter about it. Yeah, I mean, Jarris Walker. I mean, that that's why what I think about. And I'll mention a few teams here, because I mean, Pacers. I to answer the original question is they should be continue to be aggressive. Herb Jones would work there. Maybe they want a young player under long term control. They want mm-hmm. to keep getting in guys like that who who they can keep under team control, not be too expensive, or do they just go full like, like I said, do they go full sacrifice? And just get off the books because there are teams who can do that way easier. The Spurs, for example, they could just send Doug McDermott, aspiring, and picks. They they could get some good future picks if the Spurs think that Herb Jones be a part of their their future. They defensively they sure as hell need him. Seventy Sixers they got expiring picks or expiring guys at Batum, Rocco. They still they have a twenty twenty six, Clippers, Rockets, OKC, whichever one is the worst. They got their 2026 pick, 2028 Clippers pick. So they, they got something to work with there. If the 76ers want to get in on a guy like Herb Jones, that one would be fascinating because I I don't super believe in their wing rotation right now. Like it's it's functioning right now and it looks good like we talked about, but I think that is one hole that they need to fill. Um, I think that's most exciting. So when we talk about Herb Jones, where he could go and who I think might bid the most, what about the Utah Jazz? They got all these picks, mm-hmm. and Kelly Olynyk's expiring fits right in there. And you know that the the front office of the Pelicans could do a really great job of covering that up. Being like we we love Kelly Olynyk, he fits around Zion Williamson perfectly. He fits around, so a little politics there that that could work out easier. So of those three. Who do you think has got the biggest case? 
Hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd probably lean towards the 76ers because they're the closest to win now mode. But if possibly... I'm the Pels, do I say yes, though? You're the Pels. I just... All yeah. three of those teams pick, called you up. Who do you say? You know what? Yeah. I mean, I guess... I guess Utah. Utah or Spurs, whoever they're gonna whoever will probably be willing to give up a first round a first round pick, maybe maybe a bit more. Uh and that's probably more likely to come from from the Jazz or or the Spurs. Just a question of I think the Spurs be more likely to be a buyer at this stage than the Jazz. I feel maybe I'm just building this up in my head, but in my head I feel like the Jazz are more likely to be sellers at this stage rather than rather than buyers. I feel like they're still trying to build up assets rather than bring in players to like fit what they're trying to do now. I, I, and this is, this is a great segue. Let's talk about the jazz. Cause I, I think after paying a little bit more attention to them recently, that may not be true. Right now they're 15, six in the last 21 games. They beat New York, Dallas, Philly, Milwaukee, Denver, LA Lakers in that stretch. Right now they're, Second in the league in offensive rating those last 21 games. Eighth in net rating overall. Their offense looks unbelievable. The ball movement looks great. Yeah. Markinen continues to look like one of the best off-ball players, let alone bigs. Lee, the way he continues to just be an animal, getting down some lane, attacking closeouts. Best off-ball shooter right now in the league. They're ninth in the West and they seem to like love the system that they're working right now. I mean, John Collins has fit in there well, and the, the way that they've they've really spread out their minutes and guys look functional. That that's not something that's easy, especially with the roles that have changed there. I I don't see why they don't continue building that program, especially with how good they've been in the last twenty games. So what what's what's at you? How do we feel about the what's at temp right now in the Jazz? Because would they start six and fifteen? Yeah, I mean they've kind of like flipped the switch completely. Like they went, they were, they were almost going the opposite way to what they did last year. Started surprisingly well, then dropped yeah. off. This year they started really poorly and have uh, completely flipped the switch and have gone another way. And now they're one of the form teams in the entire league. They were close again to win last night. They obviously a big block from Amen Thompson stopped them from. Uh, Winning that game in in overtime, uh, they've been competitive in all the games. Even the couple of games that they lost, they've been competitive. They've beaten some really good teams, and just the overall flow with them at this stage, they look like a playoff team. That's how good they are. The flow that they're playing with the the performances of Clarkson of, of Markinen, how well George has started to play over over the last over the last little while. The role players are stepping up. They're just in that mode right now where it kind of feels like let's just see how this goes we don't need to make any changes change might just mess us up let's see how this goes for this season and then the off season this next off season is when we'll really start to be aggressive yeah i i think that's that's generally true that's generally true and i, and I wonder how much better they might be too if they start to to cut the fat just a little bit so if New York, if they're truly interested in, in Clarkson, um, and they end up making that move, then you open up more time for, for your Keontae Georges. You open up more time for Colin Sexton. You open up more time for Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn made a comeback. I I, I never thought that Chris Dunn and Lowry Markinen would be balling together ever again after they left my Bulls and look at them doing it right now at West. But if, if you if you are trying to make this team more competitive and you really start to get serious about the defensive end as well, which offensively they, they shown proof of concept. There's proof of concept, what they're doing on the offensive end. They're generating good looks from three. They're generating fantastic ball movement. The, the way they're sharing the rock, the way their playmakers are, are working the system for Hardy. And you get it. Like, I, I wonder if they would look at Herb Jones as a buy low now, like this is, this is a, you just walked by a jewelry store must sell. This has got to go, got to sell. Now this diamond ring is 80% off. Maybe, maybe you're like not ready to get engaged right now. Like you're going to propose like now or something like that, but that diamond ring is never going on sale again. 
like you just have the perfect piece to, to fit into your puzzle right now and herb jones just like sitting there for what he's about to be sacrificed for luxury tax some other team's going to come along and that's the thing like the the market's going to pick up because they're, they're going to be i mean we didn't even mention like the map there are plenty of bad deals that could if i called you up if i called up the pelicans right now Mavs would, would call them offer something pretty bad i'm sure kings would too all, all these contenders that have holes on the on the perimeter are going to be calling and the jazz are going to have the best call and you know danny age he loves his wings. He loves his two-way wings. He, I, I can only imagine how excited he'd be to get a guy like him in Utah. He loves him more than he loves picks? That, mm. <laughs> what does Danny Ainge love more? Like two-way wings or picks? But he uses those picks to get two-way wings. I don't know. It's kind of the Maybe. process, huh? <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout out... Uh, uh, Fontecchio. Yeah. Did not know his game. Had to get to know his game. Very good player. Very not not gonna jump off the the box score, but like the Jet dude, Will Hardy had questions about hey who's who who's this guy? No head coaching experience. Gets to grow with this team, but they're they're building something uh in Utah, and it's more than just this flash that we saw last year. That this this is some fun basketball to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You gotta, you gotta give, gotta give credit where it's due. They've, uh, they've gone different. They've gone a, to a rebuild, but also a, a, a pretty functional rebuild as well, and a rebuild that they could arguably quickly get out of if they, uh, if they were to, if they were to make the right moves, which is always impressive to see in terms of team building and coaching and just the assets that they brought in for the for the couple of stars that they ditched. Yeah, oh, I have a game to play while we're on the Jazz. Uh, who do you have more confidence will make it out of the plan? Featuring the Jazz. Jazz or the Lakers? Go. Lakers. Lakers? Fair. Jazz or the Warriors? Right now, the Jazz. No, 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 no. Okay, fine. The Jazz. Yeah, still, okay, still the Jazz. Okay. So we, we have officially written off the Warriors, according to Running Game. You heard it here first. Lock that in. Jazz against the Rockets. The Jazz. Ooh, that is a tough one. What what a swing we got there. Super high on our Rockets, and Jazz made quite the comeback. Jazz or Newsflash, Kings have sunk down to the seventh seed. Jazz or the Kings. I'm going to – Whoa. Just the Kings. Just Kings, just, Kings I, just – just made you think about that wow okay we we will have to do a check-in with the kings because that that should not have been a question but they are they are in a bit of a slump um some bad losses too ask jazz against the Suns. let me paint it this way bradley beal has just missed eight more games durant has a sore ankle yusuf nurkic just had the flu and just is getting better. One game, got to make it in. Jazz or the Suns cobbling everything together to play one play-in game. Who are you taking? Nah, so I'll still take the Suns there. They'll take the Suns. Okay, that's fine. That's that's the right answer. That's fair. But dude, I mean the Jazz. Jazz are now five hundred. They are nine games behind first place. See how far they make it up. But they've been impressive and hats off, Will Hardy. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you gotta get, you gotta respect it. You got any more, any more trade bulls? You gotta, you want to talk about anything else? Is that it? No, all, all I could do was was watch um, Herb Jones' defensive highlights and think about him in a Pacers uniform, and pray that he does not make it onto the 76ers because that would just be not fair. <laughs> I feel like that's something that would happen. Ah, uh, 76ers aren't, aren't the best at making uh, making deals really really work for their team, so pro- probably not. Well then, I guess before we finish up, I'll have to ruin your day properly now with an actual game to get the anxiety flowing. I gave you a little break. I gave you a couple of weeks off. So we're back to it now. Here we go. We've got five players who have, who have achieved this. Five games or more with 15 plus assists and zero turnovers. Who has done it? No. Steve Nash. 
Yes, seven times. Um, um, Halliburton. Yes, eight times. Um, Jason Kidd. No. No. Um, this is a weird one. I'm thinking back to the year that Michael Jordan decided to play point guard. Michael Jordan. No. Hmm. We've got one one guy who's still playing and two retired players who played the majority of their career in the 90s. Okay. John Stockton? Yes, 14 times. No. LeBron? No. Whoa. Okay. Uh, oh. Mm. Is Rondo still playing somewhere? Is he? He's gone? not. He's not. No, Rondo's, Rondo's not he, on the he, list. He never, he never did it. Wow. I would have thought he would have done it once. Uh, Chris, but well, he might have done it once. I'm talking this. These guys have done it five or more times. That's, yeah, that's yeah. it. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, yes, ten times. One more to go. Played the majority of his career with the Charlotte Hornets in the nineties. Dude, this is a tough one. He... If I said this to you, he's the smallest yeah. player to ever the play in the NBA. There you go. I oh, do. I was okay. That was on the tip of my tongue, but I was like, okay. I, 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 I believe you. Look at that! I, that I was swear, quick. I was gonna say Muggsy Bogues, but that was I, I didn't a, know if that was gonna be super. Out of yeah, I mean that was that was a, that was a safe one. Like those are all guys that love love assisting. They those are assisting pros, so it was it wasn't too too much trickery there for you. But five or more times is wild. Yeah, Stockton's leading with fourteen. Halliburton's already done it eight times, so I I <laughs> I back him to uh that's to set that record. Yeah, uh, because he, he I just thought of this because he did it at the end the other night. He had 17, 17 the other night with uh, with zero turnovers. He's uh. Magic with that ball. That's insane. Nobody pause. There's nobody else um in the league really has that same like flair to them, like as a passer right now. Like Halliburton will be kind of the kind of the only one. Yeah. He's he's less of a less of a dying breed, it seems. Yeah, I mean people want to talk about how the the the, the traditional point guard is dying, but uh Tyrese Halliburton is trying to uh trying to do whatever he can to make it uh to make it live on. Okay, well, I've survived another gauntlet. I've, I've still yet to devise uh, a gauntlet for you, but I promise when I do, it will be painful. Oh, I I, I, I expect nothing less. I, I expect to to probably die and want to end the podcast forever after uh, <laughs> after you finally come up with it. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, thanks to Chris for joining me, and thank you all so much for listening. Keep an eye on those jazz. Let's see what happens as we get closer to the trade deadline. One big domino has fallen. Will any more? We'll be here to cover it all for you. And most importantly, please remember that we are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. But more importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.